You're listening to the Techpedition Podcast, episode 123. Backlashing? Hello, and welcome to another edition of the Techpedition Podcast. My name is Sergio. This is James, coming to you from the border again. And hi, everybody. This is Clarence, coming to you from the Hub City, Hattiesburg, Mississippi. The 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 hub city. Hey, 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 hey. Hub. That's what they call it, man. I don't know. It, well, yeah, you know, they, they, it they, is they, a hub. Yeah, they call it the hub city because it's so close to everything. Like it's it's like an hour and a half from everywhere. Yeah, true, true, <laughs> true. Jackson, the beach, New Orleans, Birmingham. Yeah, no, Birmingham. Yeah. Maybe not Birmingham. It's it's but it's still pretty close. And I just recently saw where it's the fiftieth fastest growing city in the United States. I don't know what study did that, but I read that somewhere. Yeah. Kind of weird. <laughs> I like Hattiesburg. Awesome. That's okay. Uh, yeah. Well, well, guys, I'm back. I wasn't here last week, but but I'm here to talk about some stuff this week. Yeah, stuff like uh, Facebook uh, buying Instagram. What? Okay, tell me, what is Instagram? I'm not familiar. Oh, gosh. Man, do, okay, you've been on Android. But Instagram is a highly popular iOS app, which allows you to take pictures. And you've probably seen all these pictures on Facebook or various photo posting sites with all these filters on top of the pictures like sepia tone, black and white. And then there's a whole bunch of different uh, 60s style filters, 70s style filters that people put on their pictures before they actually post them online. Uh-huh. So, so Instagram is this app that does that and allows you uh, to post them out directly to uh to other networks as well. They also have their own networks where you can post and you can friend people. And this is like one of the top iOS apps. It's highly, highly, highly popular. Uh, uh, just last week, they uh, released it on Android. So now, Sergio, you can you know go to Android's uh, marketplace and download it for your Android device. Google Play. Do what? Oh, yeah. Oh, I'm sorry. Excuse me. Go- the, the, Google the, Play. The Google Play Store? Marketplace? <laughs> <laughs> Whatever the Google Play is. The Google Play. Yeah, well, anyway, you can go and get Instagram now for for Android. And, you know, at first, the iOS people get kind of mad because they were getting Android in their their awesome app that was only on iOS. But I guess they got over it. But anyway, to get to the main story, the whole reason I brought them up is Facebook bought them for, get this, $1 billion. Say what? One billion dollars. I kid you not, dude. <clears throat> One billion dollars. <laughs> really? They could yes. just make their own like photo dude, thing. Dude, this this app with, is, like filters. Dude, like this app is highly, highly popular. I can't state that enough. They have but, a, well, you a, know, a broad you know what? user the base. The guy in charge of Facebook has made so much freaking money. He was probably just like, you know what? I came up here. I got the extra cash here. Let me pull out a fifth of my shit. Yeah, I mean, congratulations, well, guys. Well, you're not only buying the app, you're buying the users, the big, the broad user base, and you're buying the talent. You know, once again, iOS people are getting mad because, you know, it just dropped on Android last week, and now Facebook buys them. And people are, like, you know, cursing or uh, running out into the streets yelling, no, and, and tell, say, I'm never going to use it again and stuff like that. But that being said, I think it's a good acquisition for Facebook. And um, look to see it integrated in, in 
Facebook soon, I hope, uh, in some capacity, even though they've come out and stated that um, they're not going to do a whole lot of integration right off because people are like backlashing. But a, a good purchase, nonetheless. Backlashing. That's a great verb. Like, what you doing this <laughs> or, week? Well, I'm backlashing. Or they will backlash. Or they will... <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> But yeah, I guess I'll move on to my next topic. Uh, yeah, speaking of backlash, da, da, da. <laughs> Mass Effect Three Extended Cut coming this summer. Now, this uh, free DLC, uh, main point being free, will be available this summer, and it will uh, give more of a uh, finality or, or explain the ending a little bit. Or, uh, and hopefully please these thousands of millions of people that have been in uproar over the last month. It, any any response to what this means for gaming and how uh, developers uh, treat their properties going forward? Well, this damn, damn well better be free. That's all I'm saying. <laughs> uh, like, first, first off, they don't have to do this. Like, True. They, they don't have to because their game, you know, they put an ending on their game. If you don't like it, oh well. But at least they're not changing the ending. Yes, definitely. You know, if if they want if they want to further explain the ending and kind of make it make more sense in the universe, great. You know, that's that's just I guess that makes sense, but don't change it and I'm happy. Yeah, I mean, it's the difference from seeing the ending written down in like a, a, a line rather than exp- using a whole chapter to explain what the ending is. This is basically what they're going to do. And like you said, the, the key thing being that it's free, and I think it's a good thing. Yeah, it's not gonna it's not gonna stop the bitching. That... <laughs> oh man. You're all going to have the vocal minority. But yeah, also on Mass Effect, they just released a uh, bug patch. There was problems with the importing of faces from Mass Effect 1 or 2 of the custom characters that you built on those games and, and bring them into Mass Effect 3. There were problems where people just had to use a generic shepherd or totally recreate their characters because of importing issues. That has been fixed according to this update with a myriad of other small fixes for the game. So uh seems Bioware is doing right by Mass Effect, which is good. Well, I, they, they kind of have to because... Because of this game, because of this this debacle, EA was voted the worst company in the country. <laughs> wow! On, on yeah, on the consumerist.com. So really, something. Yeah, really, internet. <laughs> yeah, Com- yeah. You messed up my game. I'm gonna vote against you. It's the same people that released uh, uh, the the Old Republic. That's highly popular. They're saying this. Jeez. Internet, come on, people. Vengeful. Jeez. They're, they're backlashing. Certainly. <laughs> and on to my next topic. Uh, the Amazon App Store uh, is fi- finally allowing in-app purchases, which I did. I thought they did this already, but I guess they did. And they're doing something similar to what Apple does. Apple takes a 30% cut of any profit made from in-app purchases on iOS, which is huge because I think Google only takes 10% uh, from the Play Store. 
So so this is like a huge amount. And actually what's funny about this is Amazon actually stopped doing in-app purchases for their own apps on iOS because they didn't want to pay the 30%. But they turned right back around on their store and they're charging 30% of the revenue from anything through the Amazon App Store, which is just kind of like, you just got mad at Apple over the same thing and you come around and charge the same amount, which it is their store. They have the right to do it. So it's just weird. Uh, it's it's not weird. It's stupid. <laughs> and and here's my argument. The, the one thing wrong with the a- uh, Amazon app, uh, app Store is the dearth of good apps. And how do you scare them away? By taking their money. Yeah, true. You know, there, there's the people who use your Kindle don't have access to the Google Play. So you need to be promoting your service to get those apps on your device by giving them a cut, you know, cutting yeah, a greater cut, yeah, a greater cut. <laughs> yeah. I mean, what, what Google does is, is, is just kind of amazing that it only takes 10% considering what, you know, Amazon is doing now and what iOS has done. But like you said, they need to be drawing developers to their store, I guess. Yeah. And, and this, this is really not the way to do it. It definitely is not. So boo on them. Boo, Amazon. Boo. <laughs> Finally, we have a story that may interest James. Uh, Sony suffers a record $6.4 billion loss in 2011, which is double what the estimate was for their loss. Now, it was, it was already kind of speculated that they would have a loss, Um uh, but yeah, uh, this is just like outrageous if you think about it. But that being said, part of the loss is due to a tax charge in the U.S., which was $3.6 billion, which is crazy. But yeah, it's just kind of weird that, that Sony is going in this direction. Did they recently get a new CEO, James, or do you know? Um, I, I think they... I don't know. I mean, I think they did. Uh but then again, this year has been really rough for Sony because they've had earthquake and the tsunami, which caused a lot of problems right there because it they had the production facilities in Taiwan got damaged, uh, and then also it's just the fact that you know TV sales is what they really need, and those have been down. Yeah, because you know? I mean, for most part, people that want TVs have TVs now, and. The TVs, like the LED, the LCD TVs, blast pretty good compared to what the plasmas were doing. So you know, people aren't buying TVs like they were. So and, you know, as far as as far as the hardware sales go, they're it's going down. And and even if they are buying TVs, they're not buying Sony TVs because they're buying Vizio TVs. Yeah, they get the cheap stuff. Yeah. <laughs> And, and on top of that, they did a whole restructuring of the whole TV division where they're trying to downsize, which I think is a good thing, you know. Uh, will it down to a few products that are great instead of having, uh, you know, being all over the place? It's focus. And this, Sergio, do you know the new CEO's name? I can't find it anywhere. Kaz Harai? Yeah, that's him. And and actually, I think they're supposed to be having the earnings call or a CEO, CEO press conference sometime later this week to actually uh, 
talk about where they're going in the future with things and, and how he's going to restructure stuff. So, I mean, it'll be interesting to, uh, to hear, but I also would like to see a breakdown on what actual divisions of Sony did what, you know. But like like you said, TV is probably the, the biggest biggest thing that hurt them with the tsunami yeah. and all that. Well, that and that tax, too. And what? Well, you know, you get... If half of your loss is three point two billion dollars in taxes, yeah, damn. true. Well, I was gonna say, damn. But but we don't know how much they profited. I mean, just because we have a loss doesn't mean they didn't profit it. So the loss, the actual, true. the 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 rig could be coming from somewhere else. Uh, production, yeah. like you said, the whole tsunami thing and, and other places. And, and also, the thing is, though, the loss could be brought up and. So that way, brought into the spotlight, so that way they can shake things up somewhere that they're wanting to. Because uh, yeah, they're not, it's not a detailed report that we've seen yet. Yeah, I, well, I, I know that a lot of Japanese companies, uh, Nintendo is also one of them, that just have been losing a lot of money because of exchange rates. The, the, mm-hmm. the weak American dollar is really causing a lot of like problems overseas. Wow. So that, that, that can't help. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, even the Canadian dollar is about five, ten cents more than the American dollar at the moment. Yeah, mm-hmm. and you you think they launched a new console this year, so stuff like that eats into the you know profit margin for that year a little bit more. Yeah. Mm. Speaking of not making a profit, <laughs> Bulletstorm Two. Yes. Well, <laughs> for any of you that were looking forward to a sequel to Bulletstorm, as we hear the crickets. Well, like I said, like uh, <laughs> the, the game that um, what Duke Nukem should have been. I <laughs> loved Bulletstorm, and I'm kind of bummed that they're not looking to make a sequel. I've said it. It was it was fun. I mean, I'm not going to deny it. it was fun. It was enjoyable, but I, I, I am kind of bummed because the ending leaves it wide open. You're thinking, "Ooh, sequel!" Wait a minute. <laughs> that, that's how um, I, that's that's how I said it. Now, the from a sales standpoint, they said for the perspective it was good, but it's not amazing. So since they didn't do as better than they thought, and also uh, the publisher or developer, excuse me, the developer people can fly, were put onto something else. And but the thing is, though, they're talking about how the PC piracy is the main reason why Bulletstorm Two is not happening. Oh bullshit! Shame uh, on you, people. I, like I, I no no. Like, <laughs> last year, Epic came out and said, you know what? We didn't make any money on Bulletstorm, but that's cool. We needed to make that game. They, they straight up said they didn't make any money. Like, well, that's why they're not making a sequel. I mean, but at the same time, when you, you know, they took a chance putting it on PC, which, you know, that's development calls. And that's time okay, and here's how bad this game sold. Inside nine months, a brand new copy is 20 bucks at GameStop. Yeah, true, yeah. true. Like, okay. I'm, Again, that just goes to goes to show that they didn't make any money. True. Yeah. But but uh, but, to, but to blame it on 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 piracy is a cop out is what that yeah. is. Well, yeah, I, 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 I got to admit, I, I imagine a lot of people rented it, and while the game mechanics were fun, the dialogue was just. I mean, I used to be sad, but it was just too much, and it wasn't the fact it was actually offensive. It was just too freaking annoying. It was like they were trying to come up with a different way to cuss than you've ever heard. It was just like, 
Really? Like uh, I said, it was a game dude who should have been. I mean, well, also, what do you think this holds for, like, uh, isn't Epic supposed to be making another PC-only game coming up? I think I heard rumblings of that. Do you guys hear anything about that? Uh, yeah. Do you think no. this will affect it? Any? With- no. No. Mm-hmm. No, like they, they they've got plenty of teams over at Epic making all kinds of stuff. I don't know, but it, yeah. it's it's at this point the PC is not a knockout market as, as much as the console is. Yeah, so uh, you, you're taking a risk there when you go straight to PC only to begin with. Yeah, like the reason you put stuff on PC is because it's easy and cheap. Yeah, because the PS3 is the hardest thing to, to develop for right now. Actually, it has been for a bit. Yeah. But, uh, you know, speaking of uh, Sony, again, we have uh, some Street Fighter Cross tech and news that I know you all of you love to hear us talk about right now. <laughs> Nobody else got that joke? Say, uh, Damn. <laughs> okay. Anyway, moving on. I picked that up. Never. Let me get this. Okay. Anyway. So we've got the Vita's been posted as being able to do cross-platform play, so that way you can take your game which you're doing on the console, pick up on the Vita. Well, today we now have complete and total proof authentication that the Vita and and, uh, main console version of Street Fighter Cross Tekken will have cross-platform play. So you can play against somebody that has you know, you can be playing on your Vita and be playing against somebody online on a PS3 is what it's looking like. Yeah, to me, the biggest thing from this is, I guess not necessarily the cross play, but that a game on a handheld can have the same fidelity as a game on a, a big boy console. Because I mean, it had it has been using the same underlying engine. Engine, maybe some of some of the graphical graphical elements have been toned down a little bit, but to have this game running on a handheld, granted, it is a fight game, so it's probably easier. But but in any yeah, case, it's it's pretty cool. In any yeah, case. and and the thing is, for a fighting game, it, the fidelity doesn't have to be identical, just the gameplay. Yeah. Okay. Now, what's going to be interesting is if they're going to have like on the 3DS for Street Fighter Four, they had it to where you could have the moves on the touch screen, and while well, you know you got the Vita, it's got the back that's touch sensitive too. So can you? You know, the question is, can you be able to set stuff up there? And is that going to have people bitching because somebody can just do a tap to get a move to come out yeah, instead yeah. of? I, I don't doing... think it'll be like that. Yeah, cause, well, cause... it's going to have to be something because but the code, the, you've got the... moves that require three buttons to hit. Well, no, I take the back. Nope, no, no, never mind. Never mind. Nope, it's not needed. Yeah, I mean, and also what. Other thing to note about this: apparently, it's going to be compatible over Wi-Fi and 3G connectivity, so you can actually play over go over your your wireless network, which is pretty darn cool. Wait, yeah. wait, wait, wait! Did you say they can play it over the 3G? That's what this article says. Hmm. Hmm. We'll see. <laughs> oh, uh, and for anybody that may not know, the reason why I said it's not a bother is. On Street Fighter Cross Tekken, unlike on Street Fighter 4 where you had to use all three punch or kick buttons to activate an ultra move, to do a super on this, you only have to use two. So you can still get away with it and be fine. Yeah, I mean, it plus, plus on the other game. Because, you know, on the 3DS, that's why they had the, uh, the the super moves and the ultras and stuff. You can put on the tap touchscreen so that way you can just tap it right quick instead of trying to get all three punch or kick buttons pressed, which is freaking hard as hell on 
Yeah, yeah they, they greatly dumbed down the control scheme for that one. But this one, I think, is more parody. Hmm. Well, let's see. Uh, oh, here we go. Some GameStop news. Well, everybody's favorite store, which if you take from people say on the Internet and not how they actually do in business, everybody hates GameStop yet. <laughs> everybody buys at GameStop. Can't stop buying games. GameStop. I don't hate GameStop. I love GameStop. It's awesome for me. But then again, I'm broke. I'm a budget gamer, and I have to find stuff that's you know three or four years old on the cheap. But uh, as we all know here lately, we've had a lot of games and publishers that have come out that are using uh, online passcodes to access uh, the online components. And in the case of Batman Arkham City, you have to have the online pass to has some of the on-disc content for the single player accessible to you as well, namely uh, the Catwoman content. Well, as a result of a settlement, because uh, GameStop got took to a class action lawsuit, um, they now have to, uh, in California, they're probably going to spread this everywhere else, so that way this doesn't happen elsewhere. But uh, if you buy a game at GameStop, and if it has anything that is locked out because of the online passcode or activation code or however anybody decides to call it, they have to go out of the way to tell you. So if there's con- it says on the box, you know, free content, and if it's locked on the disc, you know, you have to spend extra money for the online pass because it's not in there and valid anymore. They have to tell you. So they well, can't try to scam you anymore. They're not scamming you, though. <laughs> it's not them scamming you. And it well, says it on the box. Like... Is the, uh, sorry, I'm, yeah, I'm, pointless. I mean, yeah, no, 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 no. This this is a good thing because wh- just like Homefront, I just played through the game, and it, it requires an online pass to play online past level five, I believe. You know, I think this is something someone should know because you know, unless you research that game, you would have never known. Just going to store about you would have never known that you need the online pass to play online. So, I mean, I think it's good for them to educate their customers to tell them, you know, you're probably getting this game to play online. You need this to play. Or it, it could also be something that they recoup in the cost when they actually uh, buy the game. Well, not buy the game, but, but maybe recoup in the cost when they sell it, sell it for a little bit more and maybe formulate a deal with the publishers or something to get, you know, a cheaper code or something like that. I don't know. But in any case, to let the customer know about it, I think is a good thing. Well, I, I think another thing that needs to be done is that they need to put on the packaging for the games, like on the, the cases, you know, say online passcode required. Yeah, yeah. It, specific it, content. it does. It says it on the back. Not on all of them. Yeah, it does. Dude, dude, I'm looking at home front right now. No one in this game, and like, you know, with a glance, I can look and tell that it requires an online pass. And I'm sure a lot of them are like that. So I mean, well, it could be wrong. Look, I know everyone I've bought has said it on the back. It may not have been prominent, but it said it. Well, I mean, if it's not prominent, this is just as good as them not saying it, isn't it? <laughs> yeah, no, because yeah. you know, let me look. Because you've got it. Like if it's 3D, it's prominent right there when you look at the back. You see where it says 3D. Yeah, if, it's, if, it, if it's Xbox Live, it's going to be prominent. You're going to see that when you first see the case. You know, I mean, but, yeah. but but how is GameStop responsible for this though? No, I didn't say GameStop. I said one of the things I would like to see yeah, done yeah. is for the publishers on the game packaging. No, 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 no. Back to the original things. 
why is it GameStop's responsibility you know, to, I, to, to bring that up to the consumers? It's I mean, not. It's not. You're right. Because you're right. GameStop, GameStop advertises themselves as the experts, that they know everything you need to know when you come in and make a purchase, that they are supposed to give you pertinent information. Because when I worked there, I had to be able to be knowledgeable to tell somebody about anything on that game they wanted to ask. And if I didn't, I better pass it on to somebody. That's the way they've done it. I mean, so on there, if they didn't say, hey, you have to do an additional purchase for the online code to get this content. If they did not do that and somebody honestly actually didn't know, then they failed. Now, I think it's taking it a little too far, but... You know, that's one of the policies that they have that they let people know about. That's what they put up is they are the game experts. Yeah, I mean, I mean, like you're right. If they're not required to do it, it's not their fault. But if it's something that actually breaks the game that you're buying in some way, especially with the online pass, you can't even play the multiplayer stuff. I think in some capacity they should tell their customer because they because they know when they sell the game that that part is going to be broken. So, like James well, said, yeah, I mean, they they hold some responsibility educating the customers. I completely disagree, dude. Well, I mean, that's they, part they, of the they, policy. Well, when they, I got like, hired at GameStop, then, that was then, the policy was to tell. Then stop. Like then if if you're making if you're making GameSpot do it, GameStop do it, make Best Buy do it, make every other retailer on the planet that sells used games do it. Don't just pick on yeah. games. Games like come no, on. No, no, no. Yeah. yeah but the thing is, though, GameStop. This is where they got yeah. themselves. Is whoever the employee is that did not do this is fired for sure because Ooh. they are supposed to tell you. Like when we first heard word when I worked at GameStop that holiday season that they might be doing online passes or whatnot, the boss pulled me in and said, "Look." This is coming up. These are the games, so you be sure to let people know that that's what's going to happen. So if they want to try to wait and get it used, they're going to have to do this. Right? Okay, boss. But, I mean, and I had to because that's policy. I mean, I, I don't think it should be law. I don't think they should get fired if they don't tell them. But I just think it should be part of their responsibility to try and educate the customers. It's like they're selling a console that doesn't have any games, you know. They're going to tell them, oh, this doesn't have any games. You know, do you want to pick up one for your It's not their responsibility, but it's good we'll talk to their customer base to try to let them know these little helpful hints that, you know, they won't get them in a bind later on. Perfect. It, exactly. It's it's not their responsibility, but as a pro, like, consumer company, they should do it anyway. But making them do it with a law is stupid. Yeah, it, it, I, yes, it is stupid. I, I will be completely alone. agree. I mean, if anything, the CEO of GameStop should be the first one to tell, you know, if I'm running a good company and I want good customer service, these are one of the things you're going to do. It's like uh, with Apple, and you know, they get heralded for their great customer service at the Apple stores. A lot of stuff they do, they take back phones, they fix phones. A lot of stuff they do, they don't have to. But they do just for customer morale and, you know, to keep their customer base in the fold. And this is one of the things they have to do for that. But a law is probably a little overreaching. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, well, we've, we've killed this. Let's, keep, <laughs> yeah. let's, let's move on. <laughs> All right, so uh, Resident Evil 6 has been dated, firm dated. Uh, now, last word everybody had was back in January that it would be in November 20th. Well, the word now is October 2nd, so we'll be getting Resident Evil 6 a uh, full month and a half before we actually thought we would, 
the breakdown on it, if you haven't heard yet, it's going to be set in three different uh, stories running at the same time. So we're going to be following Leon, uh, Chris, and this other guy that's supposed to be uh, Wesker's kid. I don't know. Uh, but they're going to take the route that they did with uh, Resident Evil Revelations, and they're going to try to bring back the survival horror feel, feel of the series. So we'll see how that works. Hmm. Yay. Off the heels of the Howie Poplar Raccoon City. Guess which the first little bit of free DLC hit today, which was a whole new chapter. I was hoping for more, but I'll take what I can get for free. (laughs) Oh, man. I guess that's about it for that one. Yeah, let's see. Oh, yeah, it wasn't much. Ah, okay, guys. Do you know what a game jam is? Yes, I do. Game Jam. It's a for for those those listening who don't know. It's it's when game developers get together for a short period of time or a set period of time and jam out some games as quickly as they can. Um, one of the most notable game jams is the one that um, Tim Schafer's company Double Fine did while they were making uh, what's it called Brutal Legend. They had like mm-hmm. a it was like a a Fortnite. They call it something a Fortnite, and they they came up with all these bizarre games. During the process of making um, Brutal Legend, and that's what ended up being all of those strange little downloadable titles that they did after Brutal Legend. Well, over the past weekend, or like a a week or so ago, uh, there was a game jam all over the world based uh, on the tweets of the fake Peter Molyneux (laughs) Twitter account. Oh, man. So there's there's this dude on Twitter named Peter Maladu <laughs> that tweets game ideas that are really like conceptual and just you you know how Peter Molyneux is like when he says like there's a yeah everything he says is is a little bit bigger than it should be a little bit you know more majestic than it should be and there's oh. you. Or in other words, his games never turn out how he said they're going to be uh, in yeah. reality. Yeah, they're all like really high concept. Like he's he's always pitching high concept shit, and he just can't live up to it. Well, the Peter Molyneux Twitter account does the same thing. It, it throws out really high concept, really weird, funny tweets in tribute to Peter Molyneux. What is going on? Um. Uh. I lost my train of thought. Uh, but yeah, this game jam happened for 48 hours. It was all over the world. There were about 100 different teams that were doing it. And the the games will, uh, are available at whatwouldmollydo.com. <laughs> That's a great name. Um, and it's just, just really interesting. Like Probably the, one of the flagship games that came out of this was uh, what they call it, Breaktress. Uh-huh. And the the tweet was, imagine if you were playing Battlefield 3 and you shot a missile into a car that was being driven by one of your buddies playing Burnout Paradise. Wow. Talk about okay. high concept. <laughs> yeah, really high concept shit. And, and uh, they, of course, couldn't make that detail of a game in 48 hours. But what they did make was a two-player game where on one side of the screen you're playing Tetris and the other player is on the left side of the screen playing Breakout. 
and every line that you got in Tetris added more bl- br- uh, bricks to the breakout side. Huh. Hmm. Pretty cool. And then when you yeah when you were getting rid of like when the ball hit certain blocks on the the uh, the breakout side stuff happened on the Tetris side so you know it, it's the same kind of the same concept on a much smaller scale yeah yeah so so you know these these this game jam was people you know in the industry people who are newcomers people who had never completed a game they're just like I, I want to get into programming and they just hundreds and hundreds of you know ideas came out of it and it's just really cool. So yeah, check out what would Molly do? Yeah, I, I don't know how confident I am to to install any of these games. <laughs> <laughs> this is a crap ton of them, man. Jeez, this page goes <laughs> on forever. But yeah, man, it, it's it's, it's kind of cool to see the the uh, creative juices flowing and all doing the mocking of uh, Peter Molyneux. And yeah, <laughs> yeah. Apparently, they're gonna make it an annual thing, so that's kind of cool. Sweet. Well, I've got the last piece of news, and needless to say, I'm extremely excited. Um, really? This, yeah, this week Rock Band Blitz was announced. Um, and Rock Band Blitz, uh, it, it's going to play. It's going to be a uh, like a DLC, a downloadable title for PlayStation Network and Xbox Live Arcade, um, and it's going to play like Harmonix's old, like what's it called, music games. Frequency and Amplitude, or Rock yeah. Band Unplugged. It's going to play like that, where you jump between the tracks like during the song to keep the song going. And the most exciting thing about it is it's going to be downloadable, and it's going to use your existing library of music. Yeah, I, I admit that it is cool. But so, like, the, the 500 songs I have sitting on my hard drive <laughs> will have a brand new game to be used in. Sweet. <laughs> and I- I, I guess my biggest question is, is the gameplay really going to be that fun? Because I saw some videos, and they said, you know, you don't have to use instruments, you just use a controller. It is it really that compelling, the gameplay? I, like, I enjoyed Frequency and Amplitude, and I really enjoyed Rock Band Unplugged. Um, it, this is going to be a little different, but it, yes. It, like, the, the gameplay holds up, especially if you like the music that you're playing. It's it's another way to experience it, which is what they're really going for. Uh, it will be niche, you know. Not everyone is going to get it, and not everyone's going to think it's great. But those people who enjoyed frequency and amplitude, and the people who really really enjoyed <laughs> Rock Band Unplugged, are really going to enjoy this. Yeah, and one last thing, I'm wondering if they programmatically found a way to just. Uh, Use all the tracks that are already created. You know, use the program that are already in the tracks to to be able to play this game, or they had to go to each individual track and do something. It is probably like a formula they have that works on all the tracks that generates the you know stages. Yeah, I'm sure there's algorithms involved. Yeah. <laughs> but yeah, I'm super super excited. That's going to be a day one purchase for the Sergio. Cool oh, I'm surprised you haven't tried out uh, Rocksmith yet, Sergio. Oh, well, I have no interest in playing actual guitar. I want to play just having ponied up the 60 well, 80 yeah. books to get it. Yeah, I, no, no. That's, no. But that does it for news. Um, let's talk about what we're watching. And it looks like me and James are both watching the same thing. Ultimate Spider-Man. That's right. Is that out yet? 
Yeah, it started yeah, last uh, week. Third e- yeah, the third episode came out Saturday. Yeah, mm-hmm. Saturday. Mm. I'm, I'm, I'm going to default to you first. What do, what do you think? Uh, okay. For me, that's been a huge Ultimate Spider-Man fan and has been upset that they killed Peter Parker. Let me make this clear. I have nothing against Miles Moranis. I don't care the fact that he's black Hispanic. It's the fact they killed Peter Parker. Black, black Hispanic. That's exactly what he is. He's black Hispanic. Oh, yeah. Yeah. I, I, as far as racial stuff, I don't care. I just care that they killed off a dude I was following for 10 years and said, oh, here's your new best friend. So Ultimate Spider-Man, basically, the premise of it kicks off where Peter Parker died in the Ultimate Comic line in the fact that S.H.I.E.L.D. says, you know what? Why don't we train you to actually do the job good? Uh, and at first he's reluctant because they're going to pit him with uh, four other people, which are just younger versions of Iron Fist, Luke Cage, Nova, and White, Tiger. White Tigress, who I've never heard of before. But I really like it. It is a funny-ass show. So is I it, agree. It, it, it is funny. I'll give you that. Is it is it directly following the comics or no? No, I'll I'll no, 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 I'll, the, no, the, I'll the I'll, art I'll, style yeah. and the character designs are following from the comics. Like Fury is Fury from the comics. Yeah, uh, Peter's out of costume designs pretty close to what his design in the comic book was. Mary Jane's different a little bit, like in her hairstyle and stuff, but everybody else follows. Fairly closer. Uh, they've got it May a bit younger than what she was in the comic book. Oh, I don't know. She was she's well, he, she she's younger because she yeah. doesn't have any lines or anything else like that. Because they've showed older people in the on the cartoon and they're a bit more aligned. They have Aunt May is a bit younger. I mean, she's not completely younger, but she's a bit younger of a character than what she was before. Well, I'm gonna go ahead and say this: this ain't Ultimate Spider-Man. Wow. Like, it ain't like it, it's it's a good spot. It's a good funny Spider-Man show, but it ain't Ultimate Spider-Man. Okay? Well, it, it, like it's is, not the this, Ultimate Show. No, like no. What they should have done is followed the Ultimate Spider-Man story. Like this, this is like Spider-Man joins Baby Shield. Is what this is. Yeah. Yeah. Like, and that's nothing wrong with the show. Great show. Don't name it Ultimate Spider-Man. <laughs> Well, I mean, I found it kind of strange that they even like started another series because I, I mean, I really enjoyed the Spectacular Spider-Man series that came out a couple of years ago. I was kind of bummed they killed that off because that was a really great show. And you know, now that I'm hearing you guys' reaction to this one, I don't know if I'm too inclined to even watch it. No, well, no, 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 no. It, like, it's as, as, yeah, as I said, don't, 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 don't take from me that it's a bad show. It's just poorly named. Uh, actually, I, I don't think so because I mean they talked with Brian Bendis, and for me personally, I would much rather see stories that I didn't read. Then that's, name that's... it something else. <laughs> <laughs> the but reason then, you name Ultimate is because the... it's the same. Because it, it's that story. If you're not doing that story, okay, the, okay. The Amazing Spider-Man back in the '90s did not follow the exact same stories. As what? There was the comic books. That wasn't called The Amazing Spider. It was just Spider-Man. Spider-Man. <laughs> it was The Amazing Spider-Man. <laughs> 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 no, it was just called Spider-Man. 
But but the thing is, The Amazing Spider-Man is a name that has been around forever. People know The Amazing Spider-Man is just a, an, an adjective for Spider-Man. When you say yeah. Ultimate Spider-Man, you're saying that line of comics that Spider-Man is in. Okay, it's based off the universe that that line of comics. It's based off that multiverse that that line of comics. Plus, it's a name that they haven't used before, so why not? Because there's an infinite number of other names they could have given it. Yeah, I mean, personally, I would like to see see something that will strictly follow this storyline because, you know, I haven't read it. And when I hear you guys talk about it so passionately, you know, that's something that I want to see come to fruition or whatever. Yeah. And, you know, and that's what I thought this was going to be. So it's just kind of weird that it's not that. Yeah, and 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 if they wanted to take that storyline and, and like tweak it a little bit, that's fine. This is completely different. This is basically a team show. It's it's like the Spider Man's friends. So I don't know. I don't know. I'm gonna keep watching it because it's funny and all, and it's it's good. But yeah, that name really pisses me off. Uh, let's, okay, James, what are you playing? I am playing Castlevania Lords of Shadows. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> Is it good? <laughs> okay, nothing from the, okay. No, actually, it's, it's really good. Um, I hate that I missed out on it for so long, actually. It's, um... Well, Hideo Kojima came on as a producer, and you can tell his influence. We don't have, like, overly long cutscenes or nothing, but the game is gorgeous. It, hand, it uh, controls spot on, and I did not know this until I just finished the game today, but it was com- it's a complete and total reboot of the franchise, like, from day one reboot. Hmm. So is it the same characters and everything as original? Uh... No. No. So, well, you see, they, they put up the origin of the entire Castlevania series was with uh, Leon Belmont and Lament of Innocence on the PS2, which took place around 1097, 1094, something like that. The only character you hear about from the original canon timeline is uh, Ronaldo, the guy that made uh, the whip that the Belmonts used. You hear reference to him throughout the whole thing because he made the weapon that the main character uses, uh, this Belmont. But they took it in a completely different – as far as story-wise, they went with a different uh, approach. Uh, So uh, as far as the 3D Castlevania game, how does it play? Because the last Castlevania game I actually played through was Castlevania 64 back in the day. Oh, you missed out. (laughs) Have they been, um, they, I know they did a lot of rehashes, a lot of two D rehashes uh, within this time frame. Have they done any more three D ones? Well, yeah, but well, I mean, if, if the last one you touched on was Castlevania sixty four, you missed out on for the PS two. You missed out on Castlevania: Lament of Innocence, which was really well done and had a lot of great platforming in it for the three D. Uh, the Curse of Darkness, kinda, oh, it was. On par, but it wasn't like awesome. It wasn't like an amazing Castlevania experience, but it had a lot of areas to to explore and whatnot. Um, now the gameplay, as far as story wise, is very linear. 
but as you progress, you'll get abilities and powers that you can go back to the levels and uh, you previously went and go to because it has it set up in a, a chapter format. Everything's set up. Uh, and one they used a list talent for this game. Uh, they got Pat, excuse me, Sir Patrick Stewart to Sir, voice one of the characters. Sir Patrick Stewart. Well, that's what he is. He was knighted. Oh, yeah. Sir oh, Patrick yeah. Stewart. All of a sudden, I want to play this. <laughs> well, I mean, if you enjoyed the God of War games, you're going to like this. Uh, because no matter what it is, as far as a 3D and hack and slash, it's always going to be compared to God of War, because God of War basically is the pinnacle of the 3D hack and slash. Uh, Gabriel Belmont, who is uh, our main protagonist that we play as, is voiced by Robert Carlyle. Who's that? Do I, Robert Carlyle. Am I supposed to know uh, who that is? Uh, he was in Train Spotting, Full Monty, The World Is Not Enough. Ugh. Let's see. So he's, he's a, a British. He's a guy. British dude. Scottish. Scottish. All right. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Do, doing some research, they were going to get Gerard Butler to come in and do Gabriel, but he had. Uh, scheduling conflict, so he couldn't make it. Yeah, I'm, I'm actually wondering how much Kazim uh, Productions had to do with the, the development of this game because I'm looking at Mercury Mercury Steam, the other team on on, uh, on Wikipedia, and they've only done like three other games. They uh, well, he came in. on because at first they were going to uh, at first this game was going to get axed, but Kojima he read into what they were doing, what they were wanting to do, and he was just like. So he stepped in the producer, and they said that uh, he gave them a lot of leeway. But he, you know, he had like a lot of creative decisions, like you know, make the care, make uh, Gabriel more relatable. Because I guess they had him a bit more of a barbaric-looking kind of player. Uh. But Story-wise, I mean, as far as what you get story stuff, because how it is is uh, Patrick Stewart, like when it – because it's set up like uh, – when you first start up the game, it comes up like a virtual book and it opens up, and that's where your chapters are. So when you start, say, chapter one, act one, uh, you know, there comes up while it's loading, Patrick Stewart's, you know, coming out with his you know amazing voice, whatever they're reading. Um, but the story was done really good. There's a lot of twists to it that were fun. So, I mean, if you were a, a Castlevania fan, this is one to pick up. Sweet. And especially to the fact that it's on the cheap for 20 bucks, brand new now. Yeah, pick it up if you missed out. Hey. That's cool. Speaking of cheap, you know, I've been playing Split Second. <laughs> Split Second is cool. Uh, it is it is a racing game from Disney Interactive, uh, or from BlackRock, the same teams that did Pure. Hmm. That uh, that uh, I remember playing the demo. Yeah, what was Pure? Was that um, it was an off road game on Xbox 360. I think it was also. Oh, yeah, I have the game. Well, I, I didn't play. Very, I didn't, yeah, I, I played the crap out of the game. <laughs> yeah, yeah, uh, and it it's it's kind of like uh, the the generic thing would say it's kind of like Mario Kart, but it's 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 more like um blur in that you're racing against real cars and your object is to win by wrecking them except instead of having powers that you shoot out of your car you have triggers that trigger events in the world around you that cause cars to crash like 
you can trigger a 18-wheeler to go flipping across the stage right before your you know competitor drives through that part of the stage. Isn't the whole premise to be like sort of a stunt driver or something like that? Uh, not really. The, the The premise is you're on a TV show. Yeah. Yeah, you're on a TV show, and the, and you know, the TV show has set has set up these these big like sets for you to destroy using these triggers. Hmm. And some of the triggers are huge. Like you can knock down something that looks like the the, the space needle, and then drive through it. Uh, knock entire buildings over to create other different routes through the level. So it's really, really cool and sleek. Uh, oh yeah, I remember I brought down like a jumbo jet one time. Exactly, and then you just drive <laughs> right through the jumbo jet. It's crazy. But 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 you time it so that way you take out everybody behind you. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so it's it, like Easy stuff. I think Black Blackrock is closed now. I don't. I, yeah, I, th- I think they're act- actually closed because they didn't. The game didn't sell well, but play it. It's not bad. You know, I, I picked it up pretty cheap. Uh, it's also pretty generous with the achievements, which is cool. What, what about the multiplayer aspect? Uh, yeah, I touched it like twice. Those dudes are really good, so <laughs> I will not be playing any more multiplayer unless someone come you know comes over and wants to play me. You know, split screen, but online, there's no way. Yeah, I mean, that's the thing with all these uh, online races. They beat games. you down, took your lunch money, huh? Uh, yeah. You're like, how is this even possible? The stuff they're doing with video yeah, racing games online or Google. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, like, like I was playing with five people and I was in fifth place, and it was like, you are two seconds behind the fourth place person, <laughs> and then like twenty seconds later, you are ten seconds behind the fourth place person. Wow. Twenty more seconds later, you are. 25 seconds behind. Like, where? What? Are they in a jet or something? What is going Jeez, on? Jeez, swag rules. <laughs> wow. Cool. Two games on the cheap. Yeah, like, check them out. Uh, yeah. Uh, that does it. That That's the Tech Vision podcast. Woohoo. Short and sweet. Woohoo. Uh, thanks for tuning in to this week's uh, episode. Um, you can send us fan mail. Uh, follow us on Twitter. Follow us, send or, us questions. Send us questions, yes. Find us on Facebook. Circle us on Google+. Plus. Um, what else do we have? We have videos. Watch those. Visit the site. Techpedition.com um, Oh, and in other news, Harmonix actually replied to my tweet. So, woohoo! The tweet was all like, Thanks for making uh, Rock Band Blitz. It's a great way to leverage your music library. Good job. And they were like, glad you're excited. I'm like, yes, I'm excited. Oh, you PR guys. Yes. Give Sergio Tingley. Oh, yeah. Thank you, John. <laughs> oh, man. But, yeah. So, uh, tune in next week. We'll talk talk about some more dumb shit. So, so bye-bye. See you then. Bye-bye. I can't I can't beat that. <laughs> <laughs> I just smells burnt and dusty. <laughs> <laughs>